0: kick is live it is thursday night january 26th the overlord 2023 most shows i'm ready to go uh some shows i'm pretty well ready to go this one i have to call myself questionable i was on the floor in the office no one was helping me about 20 minutes ago with what i would deem to be the migraines of leg cramps and for those of you out there who suffer from severe muscle crampage you know what i'm dealing with from the table down right now so I have told director Colin make sure you just train the camera from the waist up for many reasons in general but tonight for a very specific reason we are however jam-packed the show must go on because we have a metric ton to talk about we are high atop radiant downtown Nashville Tennessee we got new five stars we got final five stars in fact the entire top two four seven has been finalized And there were, what, Jesse, like four or five new five-star players today, including a couple we've had our eye on here very closely. So I'm going to talk about that in just a second. I'm going to circle several teams tonight on this show here in, I just said the date, January 26th, that I think will be surprise teams this coming fall. And you don't have to wait until the summer. Don't wait for Preview Magazine season. Let that be a formality. We're going to get you started because we don't celebrate off-seasons. So there's really no reason for us to wait all that long. I also had a question today, in fact, several of them that I'm going to address that have to do with some of the extracurriculars around this show and this brand. I'm going to put it at the end of the show because as I have learned two things in the past year, number one, if you Google storm chasing and, and college football, our show pops up. I learned that in the past hour. The other thing I've learned is there is a, a sizable and but very compact, hardcore audience that really likes that stuff. Some of you don't. And so we put it at the very end of the show, so you can you can choose at your leisure where you, whether you want to traffic in that or not tonight. Uh, Charleston, West Virginia tuned in. Roanoke, Alabama tuned in. Coolidge, Kansas. Reno, Nevada. We appreciate you guys. Small programming note as we dive in, and it is a weighty, a weighty show tonight. We're not having a show Sunday. Um, conversations with the NFL have broken down. They will not move the start time of the AFC and NFC Championship Games. So uh, some of us have been invited to management's house to watch the game after beating management into a coma on the ping pong table it surprised me that that invite has come but it has come so we as a staff will decide because management gets all of us or none of us and uh in in the meantime we won't have a show sunday we'll be right back on schedule tuesday and thursday next week so there's that let's dive into the show We had a question that I felt was apropos to lead off the show tonight, and that was, quite frankly, when we're looking ahead to 2023, which teams in the Power 5 conferences will make the biggest jump from last year? From Dartmouth, Massachusetts. You know, we don't talk about the Ivies enough now that I think about it. I have no hot takes on how Dartmouth is going to do this year but I do have some takes you can decide whether they're hot or not on how the likes of Miami will do this year now this is not rocket science they were five and seven so as producer Jesse told me when he looked at this list of teams earlier today well they can't really get much worse can they pretty much so how big will the jump be I guess is part two of the the unknowable here Uh, Miami goes five and seven last year I think most of you remember. They got drugged by Middle Tennessee, Duke. They got blown out by FSU. We don't need to relitigate all that. They were a bad team on the field. Uh, They had several, as a result, true freshmen that have either already enrolled or are a part of this signing class that is graded inside the top 10 that I think will be immediate contributors. And not only that, especially if you look at the offensive tackles they're bringing in, there are high school offensive tackles. Like kids who are playing high school football this past fall, who were committed to Miami, or who were about to commit to Miami? That I think, as seniors in high school, would have been upgrades over some of the pieces Miami and Mario Cristobal had to go to war with this past fall. That's that's what you inherit. That is what it is. So they started three quarterbacks last year. Um, I I just felt offensively they were so out of sync. I think everyone saw that, especially everyone in the Miami fan base. That's why a lot of folks are still looking around, wondering if the totality of the upheaval has concluded down there and that's a really unnecessarily convoluted way of saying are there going to be more staff changes and i tend to believe there may be so we're talking about josh gaddis talking about the offense coordinator i mean let's not beat around the bush that's what we're talking about uh, i had producer jesse look something up aka stats and info i'm naming him more and more these days i said hey uh they didn't run the ball very well this year right he said no no they really didn't well give me their leading rusher in every Power 5 game this year. Here they are. 85 yards, 57 yards, 19 yards, 27 yards, 63, 114. Uh, 64, 118, 22, 72. So that's not good enough. Not anywhere near good enough. Uh, they're bringing in a high four-star running back. A couple of big-time offensive tackles of this class. We'll talk about them later. Miami, certainly when we look at the 2023 schedule, they open with Miami of Ohio. They got a coming. Two Coral Gables, finally and um Bethune-Cookman week three at Temple week four and then they start conference play at Florida State. actually the the entirety of the conference schedule is not even decided yet so we'll see when they play Florida State but Miami that's team one team number two this one's also not all that difficult to figure out certainly don't you have to expect Oklahoma to make a big jump this year Oklahoma this past year goes, goes six and seven and they lost a really good bowl game now the cheese it bowl delivered in all facets from mascot to delivery and presentation to actual game on the field 35 32 it was fsu at the bell that won it it obviously went really bad in year one for brent venables in oklahoma we told you the other night they were i think it was like sub 500 for the first time this millennium and there were a number of statistics you had to go back a long way to find a, a comparison for They're well on the way to replenishing the roster. They've done a really good job of balancing traditional recruiting, transfer portal. Uh, They have plus 4,000 odds to win the college football playoff, but second best odds in the Big 12. So there's that. And that conference has been known to spit out a surprise or two over the past several seasons. I'm interested in the fact that they have a top 10 recruit or top five recruiting class actually as of today and a top 10 portal class. And they have Jackson Arnold, possibly pound for pound my favorite quarterback in this cycle. Uh, in in fairness we got to see him up close out at the elite 11 and got to know him a little bit so i just happen to believe he's got the right stuff to come in there and compete for a starting job right away and here's the thing about that it's kind of a blessing that if he wins the job it's because he was good enough and if he doesn't win the job it's probably because he wasn't good enough it's just because dylan gabriel beat him out dylan gabriel by the way is still there Uh, quarterback health obviously was paramount coming into this past year they didn't have it at all times and their season went off a cliff as a result oklahoma Six and seven last year, certainly going to improve on that, I think, by leaps and bounds. Let's go to the Big Ten, and let's talk about Nebraska. Nebraska goes four and eight. Uh, We got a wild prediction later in the show, by the way. Wild prediction that involves Nebraska and Kansas. I'm going to have to eat my words on the boldness scale I put on one of your predictions. But I remember Matt Rule at Baylor. That's why I'm so confident that Nebraska, even in year one, is going to massively upgrade. Uh, They do not have Ohio State this upcoming year. They do not have Penn State this upcoming year. They have Michigan at home this upcoming year. And I have this very, very strange fascination with Jeff Sims and what he could be there. Now, it could be that he doesn't even win the starting quarterback job. Even I will admit, it is January, so it's a little early still to figure that sort of thing out. Um, But it also wouldn't surprise me if he were starting And he was doing the kind of things that we saw Adrian Martinez start to do for Kansas State this past year before he was injured and banged up a little bit. Four and eight was their record. They have the seventh best odds to win the Big Ten. This is not a prediction show wherein we're going to eye them to win the Big Ten this coming year. But I am going to look at Nebraska, and they'll probably be one of those teams, we say it every year, that is a far-improved product even in October and then especially November, than they were in September to open the season. Nebraska is going to be that kind of team. Also, there have been allegations out of Lee County and the surrounding areas and and what would that be? East Central Alabama. That we haven't been talking about Auburn enough, and it's not that we have ignored them. It's that I haven't really known what to make of them. They finished five and seven, so I know how the season concluded. This is a segment about teams that will surprise, teams that will make a jump this season. Here's the caveat that you always have to tie into Auburn. It's not just do we expect their team to be improved. Yeah, if you ask me if they're going to get better or worse as a team, I would expect them to get better. I would expect that. But I also know that with the schedule they play, it's not like some of these others. It's not like the Nebraska schedule, where if you improve – your team 17%. It could be the difference in four or five games. With Auburn, you know, you improve a pretty good bit. You still go to LSU and you've still got Alabama. And you've still go you go to Arkansas. You got Georgia. You go to A and M. There's just my point is maybe some of those teams fall short of expectation, but you can't count on that. And so Auburn could be improved and the net result is they're 7-5 and five instead of 5-7, and seven, but I'm still going to put them in this segment because I'm talking about the quality of team. So let's just kind of put it that way. They have the number three portal class in the country right now. They've been very busy there. Uh, most people, I think, that had observed this would expect that when Ufreeze came into town. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, I mentioned Sims up there at Nebraska a second ago. You know, I don't think most of the country has really watched much Robbie Ashford footage but he is a quarterback for Auburn, a guy I would expect to be the starting quarterback this fall. Uh, that's my personal call on that. He strikes me as a guy who has a skill set that has not been fully tapped into yet. And if I were to hand pick a guy that's capable of tapping into that, it would probably be Hugh Freeze. So, you know, Robbie Ashford is not one who is short for confidence. I don't think it's the most unfair criticism ever to say that he probably hasn't been put in the best position to succeed yet. Well, if that's true i got a guy coming in there that is an offensive minded coach that will no doubt put him in position now if he's not good enough then he'll just not be good enough but i i tend to think he is and i tend to think that whatever potential is him into him hugh freeze will squeeze every ounce of it out of him this year i just i also that's a theme around the rest of their roster how many guys on their roster we're just not being proper, properly utilized. There could be players that come out of nowhere that, that you had already, even as an Auburn fan, sort of dismissed and pushed to the side and we got to get better, we got to replace this guy and that guy. Maybe you do. There could be a few guys on that roster though that surprise you. Uh, they do not have a murderer's row to start the season this year. That's very important. So they play UMass, they go to Cal. How about that? Auburn headed out to Berkeley and then they play, I think, Sanford. So at least they have some games where they should be a favorite before the eventual happens and by eventual when I'm talking about Auburn schedule I think you know exactly what I mean look that's not an exhaustive list you know the other night we did a segment and it wasn't exhaustive and I should have said that so there are more teams that could surprise in 2023 we may even do a follow-up segment on that so if I didn't mention your team it's only because we don't want to do a four-hour show tonight we have a lot to get to
1: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: But we can get to it all because of Academy Sports and Outdoors, of course. Some of you were recounting the other day how when I did the Late Kick Extra podcast, and even though I say that in past tense, it's coming back. Get ready. But when I do the Late Kick podcast, Late Kick Extra pod, that's podcast only. You never see that on YouTube. One of many reasons, by the way, you should be following and subscribing to the pod when I do that I have to manually toss to our ad break and I try to make it an art into weaving it and tossing it at you when you least suspect it well with this show you pretty well know when the Academy Sports and Outdoors portion of the show is coming in and yet I look at our audience retention metrics they have a phenomenal tool in the YouTube studio where we can see when you fast forward Uh, if you're watching the replay of course we can see when you dip out and you tune out and our audience is so well conditioned to understand what makes this thing operate and what makes the motor go here. No one even tunes out. We have, we have not one noticeable dip in audience retention when we go to the Academy Ad Read. Because we're basically talking about our partners and friends there. They are the reason, after all, we can present this show free of charge. I tell you that every time. Look, uh, right now it's, it's pretty miserable in most of the country weather-wise. That's not going to last forever. I have it on good authority that we over the next couple of months will transition into the spring season, which is the best season when it comes to participation in a lot of the sports that we play and the equipment for a lot of the sports we play can be found at Academy Sports and Outdoors, but also the activities outdoors, things start blooming, things warm up. I am congested to death with pollen, but the rest of you are having fun and going about your lives. You do that right after you go get geared up at Academy Sports and Outdoors. And if you can't get there in person, that's fine. That's not a problem because you have the internet and academy.com is there for you, and they are there for us. We appreciate it. All right, big day here. Very big day. It is a sip from the chalice worthy of a big day. I don't know if that alleviates leg cramps. Hope it does. Bradley, keep the pickle juice on standby. Um, I have, here's what's funny. So you see, I have a little a little pink post it note. This is just a pronunciation guide. In fact, Colin, before your end point, let's practice here. Adapoju. Adabare. He is one of many players we're about to talk about. Okay, we clap. For those of you watching live, ignore the last 15 seconds. Brand new five stars. Part of the 24-7 Sports final five star reveal today. The entire top two four seven is out now. You can go to 247sports.com and check it out. Now all we got to do is get ready for National Signing Day this upcoming week. I got some guys that I want to talk about these are the new five stars now. So if you've been busy at work or, you know, have an actual life all day and you haven't been able to find out, this is where you come. I got you covered. So Atapaju Adabare is a name that I was just talking about. He is a five-star edge guy at Oklahoma. Here's what's very interesting about him. Uh, number one, he won't be that difficult to pick out on film here. He's the one who just looks different than every other player. He's the number nine overall player in the country now. More on how significant that is in a second. 6'4", 240. Huge get for Brent Venables. Out of Kansas City. I remember when they landed him, and I went over to the Oklahoma 24-7 message board. Brandon Drum and the guys over there had like 19 different threads about him. And if you didn't know who he is as a player, that may be a little weird. If you do watch him, you realize how big it is. Here's why I mentioned him being the number nine player in the country. This time last year, he was like a three-star And at his high school, they didn't even shift him to the edge rusher position until his junior year. He was playing tight end. And then they kind of looked at him and they said, hmm, I wonder how this skill set would translate on the edge defensively. And the way it translated is he went all the way from being a three-star to in the final rankings update, they couldn't keep him out of the top 10. And I know a couple of coaches out there who think that's still low. And certainly when it comes to polish, and overall raw technique that is needed for the college level. His best football is still well ahead of him, and he's playing for the right guy there at Oklahoma. So that's one that got the fifth star added to their name today. Jordan Hall is the number 12 player in the country now, a defensive lineman committed to Georgia, 6'4", about 315 pounds out of the Jacksonville area. I was looking at some of the feedback from the Under Armour All-American game. I have this weird fascination with wingspan, And this kid had the second biggest wingspan at that event. And the reason why I have a fascination with it is when you go and you watch teams like Georgia, when they're warming up, um, two things stand out about their athletes. Number one, how high their hips are. And number two, how long their arms are. And then you add in the height and you add in the weight and you add in all the stats on the sheets they hand you. But when you just eyeball them, you realize when I was standing on the field, I kid you not, I was standing next to a former head coach. I was standing on the field when Georgia and TCU were warming up and that coach looked and it was almost like a sorrowful look and it was there, there was an unspoken, but everyone was thinking the same thing standing down there and that was the kids over here, bless them in black and purple. Don't look like they play at the same level as the kids over here in red and as it turns out, they didn't. And Jordan Hall, is going to fit in very well there in Athens. Uh, Raylan Wilson, let's stick with Georgia because he's the number 21 player in the country now. Newly minted five-star linebacker here, 6'2", 215 pounds. He went from number 39 overall to number 21. So not a huge jump, but you cross that magical number 32 threshold, you get your fifth star there. I said linebacker. I think you all heard that, you know, 6'2", 215. Yeah, that, that's a modern age linebacker. You don't have to be 6'4", 260 to play that position anymore. Um, I know some of you who follow the more intricate workings of this sport understand the GPS systems that are put into your pads when you practice at the college level, but a lot of the camps that you go to, they clock you. The catapult system, for example, is very popular, and that's just where you're wearing a device that tracks your miles per hour. That's sort of the new age metric that they want to know. They want to know what your peak speed is. They, they want to know your shuttle No one really cares about the 40 anymore. They still do it at the Combine for legacy reasons, I guess. But they want to know how fast you can run. I was in Georgia's facility uh, the night before they played Tennessee this past year and looking at some of the internals and some of the numbers they have about their own players. And that's where it was fascinating, by the way. Some fool had talked about how Keely Ringo is probably not going to have the speed to match Tennessee's receivers. And I'm walking through Georgia looking at the numbers and Oh, there's Keeley Ringo. Huh. Well, that number looks like one of the fastest anyone's ever run here, right, guys? Yeah. We don't know where it came from. Well, the reason I'm mentioning miles per hour is because Raylan Wilson is a 23 mile per hour guy. He's not playing corner, he's not playing receiver, he's going to play linebacker. Georgia just happens to have another linebacker that can run in the 23 mile per hour range. Shocking, I know. Moving on, Santarine Perkins. I expected this one. This is a linebacker out of Mississippi. He is 6'3", 205. He'll grow a little bit, but his game is one that attracted offers from virtually everywhere. Uh, He is committed to Ole Miss. They kept him in state. They fought Bama. Bama wanted that kid bad, and it looks like Bama got virtually every other kid they wanted, but they wanted that one. That would have been their 10th five-star, by the way. Um, I expected this one only because there, there, there tends to be like this little chunk of kids every cycle that when you talk to assistant coaches it keep coming up and perkins name kept coming up and it was one where when you play in some of the more rural areas in the south it's not the same as if you play in jacksonville or atlanta or houston everyone knows everything about those kids suntering perkins Well, the coaches who were chasing him knew a lot about him but there's a reason why he is a newly minted five-star I'm fully convinced that that kid played in the greater Charlotte area probably would have had five-star status before that that that's not bias for or against it's still a reality even in 2023 of the recruiting landscape he's a monster he'll probably play as a true freshman for Lane Kiffin and then uh, speaking of that group of kids whose names are always on the tips of coaches tongues Yonsei Pierre made the biggest jump anyone made today he went from being the 91st-ranked player in the country to number 28 overall. Uh, my personal semi-informed opinion here is this is one of the 10 best players in the country. He is an edge rusher. I think um, just an absolute monster. And if you watch him and his high school, you know, huddle-type film, it was apparent the problem, the holdup. I talked to Patekna. I talked to Ivans. I would talk to Will Fong. The holdup was they wanted to get confirmed measurables on him. That's what they wanted. And so he went to the, I think, the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game. And everything verified and then some. Uh, They're going to pair him, by the way, at Alabama with Keon Keeley. And you guys have been watching Dallas Turner and Will Anderson. This is every bit the combination, at least when you come to projecting high school players. Uh, that, that is, uh, Yonsei Pierre, some of the best film I've seen them bring in defensively in quite a while. And probably still needs polish. And so when they get him on campus at Alabama, and once we find out who his defensive coordinator is going to be, you, I, 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 I always stop short of making guarantees. I am very, very close to guaranteeing you he's going to do very, very big things at Alabama. All right. Um, speaking of the new releases today, and I appreciate you guys being tuned in if you are, I wanted to talk to you for just a second after I put this in the live chat, just so you can confirm we're live. How about these final quarterback rankings? Now that we have things settled and now that we know how this stacks up, I just wanted to go over this for a second because Arch Manning, it turns out, held on to the number one quarterback ranking. In fact, he hung on to the number one overall player rating. It's fascinating. I know partly because of the last name and the other part is just because of the lofty ranking and the school he's committed to, Texas, that everyone has an opinion here, which is rare in recruiting. Even, even casual fans, not to be confused with normal casuals, but casual fans who don't follow recruiting day to day, even they have a feel on whether they think Arch Manning's overrated or properly rated. And I have had our guys in thorough parade detail break down their thinking. It is sound thinking. So at that point, you know, if, if you want to trash the folks who assignate these ratings, whatever. But the, the, the bias and conspiracies and whatnot, that's the part I laugh at. Uh, probably because I would have been the one 10 years ago on a message board claiming those sorts of things. It kind of takes the fun out of it when you get to see behind the curtain and you realize, oh man, you mean they're not paid off? You mean they're really doing their due diligence? Well, that's a letdown. I would I would love to drag a name or two through the mud, but I can't. Arch Manning sitting there at number one, uh, number two, and I'm talking about quarterback rankings here. Nico Iamaliava, the Tennessee commit. I mean, this this is the kid on whoms, show, whom's first first hoops of the show on his shoulders rest. Director Collins hopes and dreams for the next three years. So if you think playing for Tennessee is pressure, no. Director Collin putting his hope and faith in you. That's pressure. I know because I feel it all the time. And uh in 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 that sort of way, I guess, Nico, you're not so different, you and I. Uh, same deal here. Thin frame. I'm gonna talk about another kid who sort of reminds me of this in a second. Thin frame, he'll be fine. He's ready to play now. He has the the skill caliber to play. Now, what's gonna be interesting there is I think up until the bowl game for Tennessee, a lot of people thought that's gonna be the quarterback. He's just going to start as a true freshman. Maybe he still will. But then all of a sudden, you saw Joe Milton basically yell in a microphone, hold on a second. And he went and proceeded to dice up Clemson in the bowl game. And he said, I'm going to be a factor here. I have have chosen to exercise my constitutional right to compete for this job. And that is what spring practice is going to be about in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, Dante Moore from use or he's committed to UCLA huge flip we're going to talk about this later huge flip from Oregon to UCLA the game's kind of coming to Chip Kelly isn't it um could start day one I don't think they flipped him not to start day one let me put it that way sometimes it is that cut and dry uh Thompson Robinson is out he moves on and now you've got Dante Moore coming in very advanced very polished I think you'll see him starting at some point probably early on for UCLA this year. And Malachi Nelson also is the fourth-rated quarterback USC commit. Now we got to see a really really good bit of both of these guys at the Elite 11 finals along with a guy I'm about to talk about. I love Malachi Nelson. Sort of irrationally. Love Malachi Nelson. I was explaining the pros for Malachi Nelson to producer Jesse today and he almost got a little uncomfortable. He's like, are "You are we going to talk about anyone else?" I said, "Yes." It's not going to be a Nelson segment. I'm just saying I really like him. Also, I like the guy he's about to go play for him in Lincoln Riley, who basically eats, breathes, and pumps out Heisman Trophy winners at quarterback. And somewhere, someone just yelled, yeah, but his defense sucks. He doesn't play linebacker, okay? So, so Malachi Nelson's going to be fine. Now, whether he has to score 50 every week or not, that's kind of a talking point about USC right now. But the other thing is, he will not be leaned on to start as a true freshman because they have a kid by the name of Caleb Williams still there. So from, from the situation to the skill that will be put around him to the guy he's going to play for, I don't think there are very many situations that are more tailor-made for success than the one Malachi Nelson is stepping into. Now I want to talk to you about Jackson Arnold because that's a name that I think a lot of people have had circled, frankly, since he won the Elite 11 Finals. And because we got to go to the Elite 11 Finals and do a show from there this year, we also got to talk to every one of these kids. And we spent some time with Jackson Arnold. If he didn't say a word to us and we didn't get to spend some time with him, watching him compete for and then win that competition would have still made an impression. I thought it was really interesting when they had all the upheaval and then they had a down year at Oklahoma this year. There were some whispers that, I wonder who he's going to flip to. And he said, I'll tell you, nobody. I'm not flipping anywhere. I'm playing for Oklahoma. Nothing nothing about that has changed. And I always always have fun when a highly rated kid is committed to a program that's not doing well and there is a very casual opinion in the ranks that suggests, "Uh uh-oh, that elite kid is not going to want to go play for this team that is not producing elite results right now. And it works the total opposite. Most of the time, the elite kid looks at the average results and says, I'll be the one that changes that. I'm good enough to change that. It's it's not the other way around. So, yeah, I, I don't think they ever had much concern about losing him. Now, the comparison that at least comes to my mind is the Penn State comparison. Jesse didn't even have to make this one for me. I came up with it all on my own. Sean Clifford was there last year, obviously and Dylan Gabriel, likewise, is at Oklahoma this year, and so those two guys watched a five-star true freshman come in, and in Sean Clifford's case, he held on to the starting job. We saw Drew Aller play a little bit for Penn State, but it was Sean Clifford's season this year, and likewise at Oklahoma, we're going to see Jackson Arnold come in. A lot of folks, myself included, think he's good enough to start as a true freshman. Dylan Gabriel's a pretty good quarterback too, and he's still there, and so it's sort of best of both worlds you're going to have competition if dylan gabriel holds to the job it's because he was good enough to do it and if he doesn't you got a guy that likewise is ready to play and is the future of your program in jackson arnold It's gonna be really fun to watch a guy that i don't think will get as much run today that i think deserves it because it was more about the five stars and the updated rankings today is chris fazina he is a commit to clemson Already on campus, I've I've seen some of the stuff that he's posted since he's been there. 6'3", 211, really, really good size, really good frame. And you got to remember what the situations are these guys are being dropped into. It looked like a month ago, he was going to a place that was sort of a wasteland for quarterback development all of a sudden. Well, now he's going to play for Garrett Riley. So, So, I mean, we're talking about Cade Klubnick currently on campus and how valuable that staff churn must be for him. Well, what about for Vizina there? And speaking of clubbing, he also is a kid who doesn't need to go in there and start as a true freshman, so I like him. And then I'm not doing a final quarterbacks update discussion without talking about my guy for our Iowa State Cyclones, and that is J.J. Cole. We're out there at Elite 11. He comes over. I, I don't know if you can tell by watching on film. He is, um, as a senior in high school, 6'7, 230. He, Wilfong Fong, was entirely in his shadow. The sun angle was just right, and it only had to be like 3 o'clock angle because he's that tall, so he casts that, that long a shadow. Uh, so he's he's walking around out there amongst the other top-rated quarterbacks in the country and looks like, looks like their uncle. He's just so much bigger. And he's 6'7", 230. I said he's the number 17 quarterback in the country. You know what we get to ask now with things in the NFL working out the way they are? We get to ask for the foreseeable future the same question about every quarterback who walks in the door and Ames, and that is the following. <clears throat> is he the next Brock Purdy? J.J. Cole. The, the majority, I would say a minority stake of the staff here is rooting for you, and the rest of them can just get on board. Um, I want to spotlight some classes with the final rankings updates and we're rapidly approaching National Signing Day, I got to throw some of this at you. Now, it's it's not like I have time to go through the top 20. So I'm just going to bump around. This is what stands out to me. These are not one through five in order, the top 247 and the 247 team rankings. But I will start at the top. Uh, do you realize Alabama has nine composite five-star rated players right now? And over on Tim Watt's message board... The number one topic of conversation is how some of their players are being screwed in the final rankings. Do you, do you you don't realize that? Now you realize that. That's a different level. That's a different kind of air to breathe what they're doing right now. And I was speaking of Watts. I hate that I have given him two shout outs because I try and stick to two shout outs a year for him. But I was reading some of his nuggets over there earlier today. Uh, that is message board lingo, by the way. And he was just given some feedback from coaches and how <laughs> I've heard this too, not in, not in this exact phrasing, but uh, Nick Saban is recruiting as hard as he ever has. Like that is the widely held consensus right now. He is, I don't think he's been home. He's, he's in his early 70s and just pounding the pavement like he's got everything in the world to prove because to himself, he does. And so they're sitting there with nine composite five stars. To put that in perspective, george has got five of them that is a phenomenal haul. texas has got four those are the number two and three teams in the country right now phenomenal haul. you're not supposed to land four or five stars alabama uh, has got as much as the number two and three teams combined and both of those teams have a huge five-star haul. caleb downs is minka fitzpatrick to me one of my very favorite players in this cycle is caleb downs you could put him at number two and i would think he'd be underrated So we have him top 10. But Caleb Downs is going to be an immediate impact player for them. They have not had a caliber of player like that, even as highly as they've recruited at that position, come in there since Mika Fitzpatrick. Firmly convinced of that. Also, uh, Keon Keeley and Yonsei Pierre combined in the same class, uh, two of the very, very best and most premier edge rushers in the class will be something that I think carries over what a lot of people have loved to watch with Dallas Turner and Will Anderson. And in some cases last year, that combo and that defense underachieved, I I think they'll be fine there. Number one safety, number one offensive tackle, number one age player, two of the top four running backs in the country. Yeah, so that's what Bama's doing right now. Overall player grade averages out at a 94.78. All of those look like typos. The Georgia Bulldogs are sitting there number two, They've got a class that would be good enough to be number one in many cycles. They may not be done yet. And if you want to know what an identity sounds like, how about this? Eight of their top nine signees are on the defensive side of the ball, which shocks approximately nobody. However... If I were telling you there's a position Georgia's loading up at on offense, you would also expect it to be tight end, And that's exactly what they're doing. I'm looking at Pierce Spurlin, Lawson Lucky. Those are two of the very top-rated tight ends in the country. They're in it for Deuce Robinson, who is one of producer Jesse's favorite players in the country. So Georgia's sitting there as well. Could, maybe, maybe not done. And some of their guys got bumped today. So Georgia's got another phenomenal class. It's Bama. It's Georgia 1-2. Those are the top two programs in America right now. And so that's not a shock. The number three class, while it's not a shock that I want to talk about, is one that bears paying attention to. Because Bama and Georgia are are fulfilling on their expectations. They're winning. Texas hasn't yet. And I'm not going to say a lot. Some of you think it's never going to happen. And I'm telling you it's inevitable. Because they will not keep recruiting like they are and continue to underachieve and win six seven eight games they won't they will they will eventually pop may very well be this year now uh before i dive into the particulars here i know what the familiar refrain is and the familiar refrain is oh well texas was always recruiting like this well they weren't first off uh secondly as uncle Wiltfong has talked about many many times You have to get in the weeds in recruiting. You can't just look at what a class is rated. You can't look at how many four and five stars are in it. You have to find out how complementary the pieces are. As I've told you many times, if I went and signed 25 five-star receivers, I'd have the number one class in the country. I'd be a terrible football team. Texas had recruited numerically some really highly rated classes. They sucked on the line of scrimmage. Uh, Sark has come in, and they've immediately addressed that in the last class. And in this class, uh, two wide receivers, a quarterback, and a running back are among their top six signees. That's complementary recruiting. Get bigger, faster, and stronger on both lines of scrimmage, and then go get me a quarterback, Arch Manning, and get me a couple of wide receivers and a running back. You pair that with the line of scrimmage haul, and they took some more line of scrimmage kids this year, but you pair that with the last cycle, And they're starting to stack classes. And they have to continue to do that because that's what the other teams they're going to compete against in their soon-to-be new home in the SEC continue to do. Speaking of soon-to-be SEC programs, I can't help but look at Oklahoma right now. And Brent Venables, when he came in there, you know, I wondered, not in a doubting manner, but I just wondered aloud, how will they recruit Texas? They've they've done very admirably in Texas and they've got the number five class in the country right now with uh, also a top 15 portal class. As I said, people are saying, some people are saying Jackson Arnold may end up being the best quarterback in this class. And when they say it, I don't disagree with them. I don't argue with them on it. Now, of course, in classic fence riding fashion, I don't wholeheartedly agree. I just don't disagree. So, Basically, what we're trying to do is set ourselves up to say, I told you so, either way, three years from now. Brent Venables is getting his defensive players. Wasn't ever going to happen in one cycle, but be patient. He's getting his defensive players. Seven of their top nine signees or commitments are on the defensive side of the ball. And we talked about the Hurricanes a few minutes ago. I just want to circle back around to Miami for just a second As I said, I'm a firm believer that there were high school offensive linemen last year that could have started for Miami over some of the offensive linemen that they were trotting out there, which I'm sure sat very well with the head coach there, being that Mario Cristobal is a starting offensive lineman for the University of Miami. Well, that is about to get rectified quickly because they signed two five-star offensive tackles They signed uh, two top 100 edge rushers. There's some good wide receiver skill, uh, good running back mixed in in this class. I have never looked at a class and had more confidence in saying, a ton of those kids have to play this fall. Uh, Normally, it's if you take care of yourself in the classroom and you develop well spring and summer and you acclimate, basically you check all the boxes, then maybe you'll get on the field. They're getting on the field regardless at Miami. And they'll, they'll work on the rest of that on the fly. But a lot of those guys have to play right now. It's easy to talk spotlight classes. Everybody knows the top five, top 10 classes. Sleeper classes. Now that the top two, four, seven is updated. And by the way, signing day is still like uh, six days away. So you know we'll have more of this next week. Florida State is a sleeper class. Florida State right now, is one of those teams that you cannot look at the recruiting ranking of without also looking at how it combines with the portal ranking. And when you look at the way that those two are kind of combining into one steady flow of talent into Tallahassee, man, they're upgrading. Hakeem Williams is, of course, sort of the crown jewel of that class. That is a wide receiver. I heard Andrew Ivans earlier today describe as one of the biggest boom or bust candidates out of all the five-star rated players. He is a monster wide receiver, and yet when you look at his frame, 6'3", about 200, then you go watch him pull away from guys on film, you realize I'm not he's one of those where you're not sacrificing a ton of speed to get that size. He wouldn't have five stars next to his name if you had to do that. So when you pair what Florida State's doing with the portal, then you understand uh, it's, it's not even so much... I don't know. I, I think I'd call it a sleeper class because nationally... Just the recruiting class is ranked 20th. And so a lot of the top five and top 10 classes are going to get a lot of run. I think what Florida State's doing is really good right now. I also think Notre Dame has a sleeper class, even though they're in the top 10. So at last check, and I got to make sure of this because a lot of this changes on a day like today, Notre Dame has the number nine overall class right now in the 24 7 sports composite. So you would think, how is that a sleeper class? For two reasons. Number one, they don't have a single five-star player. People tend to look over you when you don't have a five-star player. The second is they were previously rated top five, and so they've dropped a little bit because Keon Keeley decommitted. He goes to Alabama. And so I think people are overlooking that class. I don't think you should. I I think it's a really, really good class. And I also think they took five wide receivers and five offensive linemen. Uh, So it's not very hard to figure out the areas that Marcus Freeman and his staff identified as areas of immediate need to upgrade. Kenny Menchie's the quarterback that they got in this cycle. I think he, Jesse, he flipped from Pitt, right? Flipped from Pitt. Okay. Um, they just brought Hartman in via the transfer portal from Wake Forest. So they have the one year stopgap that they need, theoretically. Kenny Menchie is the guy then in the 2024 season that you would look at and you would think by that point will be in position this is from elite 11 there's yogi roth in the background welcome to the show yogi appeared on his show the other day i appreciate him having me on so kenny Minchie is a guy i I know amidst all of those 20 other four-star players can get lost in the shuffle uh he, he threw the ball to like another county in that last throw by the way uh south carolina has a sleeper class South Carolina's got a really good class. I don't think many people are talking about them right now, but we will because we're talking about sleeper classes for just a second. South Carolina's currently got the 16th rated class in the 24-7 sports team rankings, and you're seeing the second full cycle now for Shane Beamer and company. Now, if you're a casual fan, not to be confused with a casual, but a casual fan who doesn't follow recruiting, let me help you out here for just a second. You may look at this... And you may say, oh man, that that doesn't compare to the Georgias of the world. Ah, that's true. No, No one else does. Next to Bama, this cycle, no one else does. You don't compare South Carolina to Georgia. What you should be doing is comparing South Carolina to South Carolina. We have taken the liberty to do that for you. 2021, they finished 80th. That's a real number. 2022, they finished 24th. Now they're 16th. Uh, I think we call that an upward trajectory. That's what we call that. And also, they're getting bigger and more athletic on the defensive and offensive lines, which I know gets tired, and everyone says, well, we got to get bigger, faster, and stronger on the line of scrimmage. Uh, There's a reason why everyone says that, ladies and gentlemen, and it's because you have to be that along the lines of scrimmage it doesn't really matter if you got some impressive pieces out wide uh, if you got a running back in the backfield that did a lot in high school if you can't open holes and you can't give your quarterback time to deliver it it just looks ugly and so south carolina also is a favorite we're talking now like it's a final product nichols harbor is another guy that if you pay attention on signing day coming up you may very well see a gamecock hat be thrown on there I, I'm not privy to how the celebration and the announcement's going to go, but Nichols Harbor, just keep an eye on that name for South Carolina. Uh, Texas A&M, my, my, my. One of, during the early signing day, the biggest questions that people wanted me to ask Steve Wolfong is, what is wrong with Texas A&M recruiting? And Uncle Steve said, nothing is wrong. They've been a little more selective this cycle, but nothing is wrong. Like, that, Nobody, including them, Was ever going to duplicate the class they put together last year quite frankly this is where it's time to talk like an adult for just a second so children if you're sensitive clear the room they didn't need to recruit like they did last cycle because they brought in a lot of bad pieces last cycle those pieces are no longer there so i know it was impressive it felt really good it was the highest of sugar highs but what does it matter If they come in and they contribute to a dysfunctional locker room, uh, they don't transition to your way of doing things. The net result is sometimes a five-star can be detrimental to your program. Well, Texas A&M sitting here with the number 13 class in the country right now. No one's talking about them. They're going to be viewed as an underachiever. This will be viewed as a failure this cycle. And yet the number 13 class in the country includes David Hicks, the number one defensive lineman in America, 6'4", Two ninety out of Katy High School, like the forty-seven millionth player to go D one out of Katy. Uh, They also flipped Reuben Owens, number one, I think, number one running back in the country, a five-star running back nonetheless from Louisville. Texas A and M is going to be fine, at least when it comes to the talent. Now, it's it's one thing for me to go to the grocery store and say, "Don't worry, I got you the ingredients," and then I just pour them out on the table. You've still got to make the meal. But if they don't make the meal in College Station this fall and in coming years, it will not be because the ingredients were not in the cupboard. It will be because they spilled them all over the place. And no one likes spilled ingredients. Okay. That was that was about a solid 30 minutes of recruiting or 40 minutes. But we're not done with the show. I just wanted to make sure you guys understood. We had a five-star reveal today. Uh, all of that, by the way, can be found on 247sports.com. And they did a really big... Show earlier today on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, which is different than this one. I encourage you guys to follow and subscribe on both this one and the 24-7 channel. Okay, the job approval part six series. Actually, Colin, I didn't like how I said that. So let's say it this way: Part six of the head coach job approval rating series. There we go. And it's gotten contentious, it's gotten heated. The comment section has been on fire because believe it or not, when you try and put letter grades On the approval ratings of head coaches not everyone agrees on it and I guarantee you that's the road we're about to head down tonight because even me and producer Jesse did not agree on these ratings but as he said whose name is on the banner let's dive in Dave Aranda at Baylor I gave a flat-out B Baylor I'm gonna do this a few times during this segment so bear with me Baylor The reason I'm saying that and then pausing for emphasis is to be dramatic, but also to remind you, expectations are relative in college football to different programs. This is not Ohio State. This is Baylor. And so when we remember the 10-game improvement that Dave Aranda had from the 2020 season to the 2021 season, let's not be quick to forget that. This is not the kind of program where you're only as good as your latest season. This is Baylor. And while I think highly of Baylor and the potential of the program, what has history taught us about Baylor? I'm kind of like trying to make my closing argument in court here. Five wins versus ranked teams that previous year, but they couldn't follow up this past year. And offense wasn't necessarily the problem defensively. They were off pace this past year. I'll admit that. That's why I'm not giving them an A. They had a one-point loss to TCU, Uh, but you got to learn. You got to evolve. And I think that that's still what they're in the process of doing out there. So he needs a good year this season, or else I can't continue justifying a B. But I have made well-known my affinity for Dave Aranda, and therefore Baylor. I think they're going to be okay. So I'm giving him a B. What about Gus Malzahn at Central Florida? We're going to the G5 ranks, although they're about to be in the Big 12, so never mind. I So I'm giving him a B plus. Let me start off with the grade. I am giving... Florida Gus, a B-plus, which should be a T-shirt if it's not already. Uh, he had a shot now. They could have been an A-minus. He could have had an A-minus if only they would won that conference championship game. And a reminder, the Every Given Saturday Tour made a trip to New Orleans for the first Central Florida two-lane game this past year. Come to find out, I was watching a preview in that venue of the AAC championship game. It's just that the results were different that afternoon than they were when I was there. When I was there, Central Florida kind of, sort of handled Tulane. But then Willie Fritz and the Green Wave there, they got their act together and they were an angry, angry wave that afternoon because they took care of business and 45-20 it was the final. As a result, we still have a B-plus grade on Gus Malzahn. Good energy around the program. Here is the, not the problem, but the hurdle. They are not... Acquiring talent quite at the level you need to be acquiring it to go to the Big 12 and compete at a high level. So that doesn't mean it won't change. It just means when we look at record and recruiting so far under Malzahn, albeit it's still brief, they were uh, 58th, 52nd, 55th, like their average recruiting rankings in the 50s right now. I need it to be in the 20s. That's where I need it, uh, unless you're just going to wholesale raid the transfer portal, which you can't ever plan on doing, and you don't ever know what it's going to provide you anyway. So if he's listening, coach, I'm giving you a B+, but I'm going to talk to you like my teachers used to talk to me. They used to tell me, now we both know, we both know I gave you benefit of the doubt on this, Don't make me look stupid. This is a progress report, basically. Come report card time. You better have your act together. And so, you know, come this time next year, I want to see improvement in recruiting. Got to acquire that talent. But B-plus for now. Parents are going to be proud. Uh, Mark Stoops, uh, producer Jesse has lost his mind because he thought Mark Stoops... Jesse, what did you think Mark Stoops deserved, by the way? You didn't tell me this. Okay, well, you're crazy. So he thought Mark Stoops of Kentucky deserved a C minus. Producer Jesse, a young fawn, does not understand the history of Kentucky football. However, I, his paternal figure in this building, am here to set him on the straight and narrow. Kentucky is not a football program. Kentucky's not supposed to be good in football. Kentucky football is supposed to be what you do to pass the time until Kentucky basketball gets here. Now the reason Mark Stoops would be furious at me And start throwing stuff at me if he was in here is because he has changed that and he's made Kentucky a football also school you're never going to do away with basketball there it is a football also school and that wasn't always the case and so like I did with Baylor I'm going to say one more time Kentucky Kentucky that's what we're talking about so now that we dive in and I tell you why I'm giving him a B plus it's because even though they just went seven and six that is seven straight bowl games for who? Kentucky. You're not supposed to have a streak of bowl games at Kentucky. You're supposed to be the team just north of Vanderbilt, frankly, that everyone beats up on, and you ensure that they have at least one or two dialed-up wins on their schedule. That's what Kentucky's supposed to be. Kentucky is not that anymore. You ask Tennessee and South Carolina how easy Kentucky has been to dispose of in the SEC East. He has two 10-win seasons since 2018. Never supposed to be the case at Kentucky, ever. And so Mark Stoops, when he only wins seven games, when they're only ranked in the 20s or the 30s in recruiting, I just yell back in your face, Kentucky! Yes, Kentucky, friends. Mark Stoops, B+. Now, the most interesting name, possibly since we've been doing this segment, is Chip Kelly at UCLA. 24 months ago, his name was on the hot seat. Two years ago, people thought he was going to be out of a job. And yet, I could not give him anything lower than an A-. minus at, at the moment, job approval rating at this moment. Think about what he's done out there. He had UCLA very competitive this year. Who did they lose to? They lost to Oregon. They lost a close game to USC. I personally think Arizona played out of their minds when they happened to beat UCLA but that's not what has them the most excited because that's in the past. What has them the most excited and why I keep saying the game feels like it's coming to Chip Kelly is because Chip Kelly doesn't like to recruit. He's not a recruiter. He is not a guy that you would confuse with pounding the pavement and living in the living rooms, living on the sofas of high school kids. It's just not what he loves about the game. He wants the players delivered to him. And it doesn't even matter if he has the most talented roster because he's a better coach than you, so he'll find a way to outscheme you. But that pesky talent acquisition, once he came back to the college level at UCLA, it looked like it was going to be what held him back. Then things changed. NIL and the transfer portal has totally transformed the fortune of Chip Kelly at UCLA because he doesn't have to spend half of his waking hours on the road recruiting high school kids. What he can do is he can go get Dante Moore's now even though that's not technically a transfer when you leverage it with NIL and you understand what the name of the game is now in college football it's come to Chip Kelly it's just more in his wheelhouse the way it works now is more in his wheelhouse I think than it ever has been and that includes his time at Oregon and so Chip Kelly I think is going to be fine and as a result I'm giving him an A- minus right now when is the last time you felt excitement radiating off UCLA football Because you feel it now. And I I just, I picture him in his office watching everyone else complain about how things are being changed in the sport and the sport's moving this direction, that direction. And if I were him, I'd just have a grin on my face that made someone want to punch me. Because if I'm Chip Kelly and I watch those changes and I watch what I'm allowed to do now and I look where I'm geographically located, the sport's coming to me. Sometimes it goes away from you the longer you're in the game. And sometimes it comes to you. And that's exactly what's happening with Chip Kelly right now. A minus. A minus for Chip Kelly. Jesse, I- I'm disappointed in you, quite frankly. I uh, Look, <clears throat> I'm not going to repeat what you just said to me because that would take me down a different road. What I will ask you to do kindly is I will ask you to like the video and subscribe to the channel. I mean, I'm, I, I should not have looked at the live chat I really shouldn't have, because frankly, I'm disappointed in some of you as well, and that's even after I asked you to submit your own ratings. I don't know how to put it to you. Some of you are just wrong, and I'm right on this. Paper pop. Uh, oh, boy. I have, so I've got five bold predictions in my hand from August that you guys made. As much as I just said you're wrong about something, one of you just, I think, may have had the prediction of the year. The staff thinks it is chalice of supremacy worthy. I'll get to it in a second. First, we're going back to bold predictions, by the way, for those unfamiliar. And they're from August, and now we get to relive all of them in all of their glory. (laughs) The first one is the kind I like, because it's the kind where I get to laugh. The first prediction was, Caleb Williams' production will not match the hype he is getting. Narrator, Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy. So he did okay this year. I think probably the way the season ended with the Pac-12 championship game and then the bowl game may have sullied the picture you had in your head. It ain't his fault. He got hurt in the Pac-12 championship game, but they were scoring as many points as you should ever need to score outside of that conference title game. I mean, if they're scoring in the 40s, they're supposed to beat Tulane. I don't know how else to put it to you. So that's not a Caleb Williams thing. He was first in past touchdowns and total touchdowns this year. A 66% completion percentage. So he was on fire all year. Defense. If if Caleb Williams could trade a fourth of his statistics for some capable defense out there, they would be a college football playoff team automatically. Next up, this is a sad, sad state of affairs. This next prediction. The University of Florida. You know them as the Gators. Well, Nathan said Florida's going to win the SEC East old prediction from charlotte north carolina florida finished five games behind georgia in the east in the conference Uh, they only play eight conference games for the record and florida finished five games behind georgia florida lost to georgia 42 to 20. florida also lost at vanderbilt for good measure and so nathan as kind as i could possibly be this one was a whiff we move on this one was a hit these next two actually so the next two are, are money. And the first one is this. Michigan and Georgia, who made the playoff, played each other in 2021. Joe said, Michigan repeats, Georgia repeats. So they are going to go to the playoff again. That's what he meant. Uh, I made this an eight on the boldness scale. And frankly, when I look back on it, I think that's dumb. Because this was, it was bold. Yeah, you're, you're predicting half the playoff four months ahead of time. But was it really that bold? Was it an eight? On the boldness scale, now I had producer Jesse look up my notes that I have them keep, and he said, "Well, here was your concern." And uh, come to find out, I had two concerns about this prediction. The first was we've seen historically teams have letdowns coming off a title, and Georgia had won one for the first time in 900 years. So, and they lost all those guys to the draft. So who knows? Maybe they'll have a letdown year. I had to take that into account, and also. This was fresh off the Jim Harbaugh, Minnesota Viking flirtation, losing both coordinators thing. So maybe there's some residue there. Turns out neither were valid concerns. Well, neither panned out. Maybe they were valid, but they didn't pan out. So I guess that's why I made it an eight, but that was a hit. Okay, this next one, this is the prediction of the year, to me at least. Because I put a nine on this thing and it hit, and it hit comfortably. The prediction was as follows. Hugh said, Kansas will end with a better record than Nebraska and Scott Frost is going to get fired. Kansas ended with a better record than Nebraska and Scott Frost got fired. And he got fired about three or four weeks into the season. Nebraska's preseason over-under win total was 7.5. Kansas was 2.5. So a solid five games in the eyes of oddsmakers separated Nebraska in Kansas. And yet Greg walks out and says, "I don't care. It's going to be Kansas winning more." Kansas goes 6 and 7. Nebraska goes 4 and 8. Uh, that was the best record for Kansas by the way since 08. This was just a phenomenal piece of execution in the preseason. There is no preview magazine season on earth that will do as good as that prediction right there. Now, the last one did not technically hit but I think it's going to hit very soon. The prediction was about Texas Tech. And Joey McGuire, the prediction was, will lead Texas Tech into the top 15. There'll be a top 15 program. Now, basically, we took that to mean at some point this year, there'll be a top 15 team. Didn't quite happen. They had a good year. They had a really good year. And I I am pretty certain this is going to happen in the near future. Texas Tech is one of the quietest up-and-comers in the country right now. You're not paying a lot of attention to him. You should be paying attention to Texas Tech. They got a top 25 recruiting class. There is a ton of energy around the program. They love Joey McGuire. But even this past year, in a season where, yeah, technically they failed to be a top 15 team, well, that was an unrealistic expectation. They beat Houston, Texas, West Virginia, Kansas. They beat Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Iowa State. They did all that this past year. They were a very, very good team. This past year, they will be a very formidable opponent to deal with moving forward. So even though the prediction itself didn't pan out, I thought that was a really good prediction. I really did. Uh, Lastly, we had a question. I put this at the very end of the show for a reason. Because this may interest you. It may not interest you at all. In which case, have a good evening and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. No Sunday show if you just tuned in, by the way. No Sunday show. Hunter hit us up. And he said, could you compare and contrast college football Saturdays versus storm chasing for anyone new to the program and thinking that question is out of left field? No, those are my two biggest passions, college football during the fall and storm chasing during the spring. The reason I tell you I have the best job in the world is because I get paid to cover college football and to sit behind this little microphone and talk about what I would talk about anyway. But then also my calendar lines up where I also get to go out on the road in the spring, get to go to Oklahoma, Kansas, wherever the storms take you, I get to go. And it's a it's an ideal setup. It's a dream setup. I've also met people through this show that I storm chase with now. So that's another ideal setup. Uh, the comparison, uh, for most people, you may think there's no comparison. Well, when you experience the two, there are, there are comparisons, at least to me, the way it makes me feel. Uh, you, you're looking at To me, the wildest spectacle that God presents, if you ever see a tornado in person, and then you're also talking about the wildest spectacle that man can present. Because being on the field at a college football game, especially a big-time, cathedral-like, to 90-100,000-seat venue, when it's a rivalry Saturday, when you get into the third and fourth quarter and it's back and forth and it's one possession, there's nothing like it on earth that we can create. But when you witness a tornado in person, and I've seen several of them, there's nothing on earth that man or God creates that tops that. It's a rush of adrenaline like you could never imagine cause there's a healthy amount of fear and you better have respect for what you're doing or you'll end up dead. Uh, there's a healthy amount of all of that mixed in, but the adrenaline rush when it's in front of you, you, you're kind of in danger, but also if you're responsible about the way you're going about your business, you should have yourself positioned to where you're minimizing the danger, but you're maximizing the exposure to just the most amazing force of nature, in my opinion, that you can experience. Also, the other comparison, speaking of that adrenaline, this to me is where they coincide. So if you're watching a football game or you're at a football game, um, sometimes we go into a Saturday and you see a game and you think it's going to be a good one. Just like sometimes we wake up on a morning and we think atmospherically, all the ingredients have aligned and the parameters are in place, but really things still have to fire. And it doesn't matter if Texas versus Oklahoma has a two and a half point spread on it, things still have to fire. But when they start to fire and you get to halftime and it's a competitive game and then you get midway through the third quarter and you realize this one's going the distance and you start that fourth quarter and you realize we're about to see something crazy over the next 15 minutes. And you know, the whole world coast to coast is tuned in to the game you're on the sideline for. That is as close to the same feeling I get as, you know, when, when you get that radar scope update and there's that red polygon and the county you're in, the area you're in the pinpoint on the map is tornado warned. And you've got yourself, you know, I, I go back to March 3rd of 2019. We were down in, Beauregard, Alabama. Horrific event. Lost a couple of dozen people down in Beauregard, Alabama. So it's not something I celebrate, but we were chasing that tornado that day. It was an EF4 tornado. And we were not in the best position. We had to back out as a result because we were in the northern flank of a high precipitation supercell. And so we come in on the other side of it before first responders are there. And it was a very terrible scene. But prior to that, The adrenaline rush when i realized where we were and i realized what was coming at us is not duplicable you could never duplicate that and the feeling you get when you're at the national championship game and it's georgia versus alabama or it's clemson versus alabama these are just games i've been at recently and you realize this is going to come down to the last play of this game for a national championship and you're witnessing something that people will talk about 50 years from now kind of goosebumps on the arm you're witnessing something people will talk about 50 years from now and you've got a vantage point that no one else has those two those two in terms of adrenaline are very very similar and also the culture that exists in college football fandom and the culture that exists in storm chasing those are also very unique. Those are also sort of bubbles that if you're not in it, it looks really weird from the outside. Uh, you, you guys, several of our males in the audience have occasionally dated females who are brought into the world. And we've got a very healthy and growing female audience on the show, ladies of paid state. And um, some of you, have shared with me the stories that at one point in your lives you weren't diehard college football fans at all. Someone you were dating, whether you're still with them or not, someone you were dating kind of brought you into this world. And I have had uh, a couple of dozen of you at this point tell the story of how weird it seemed when you first got here and now how you couldn't do without it. And it's sort of that way. It's why I encourage you to watch the movie Twister. Don't be the guy or girl who watches the movie Twister and who says, this isn't strictly scientific, this isn't exactly the way that would happen, don't worry about that. Worry about the picture it paints, because I have never in my life seen a better and more accurate description of what life on the road in storm-chasing culture is like than the movie Twister. And these were A-listers. This is the late Bill Paxton. This is Helen Hunt. This is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Jamie Gertz is part owner of the Hawks now. She was in that movie. Phenomenal cast, great delivery. So likewise in college football. If you're a, let's say you're a Tennessee football fan and you've got an agnostic relative who's just never delved into the world of college football and you bring them to a tailgate in Knoxville when Florida's in town, what they experience, if you don't want to go out on the road and chase tornadoes, which I would discourage strongly, but you still want to get a sense of what that's like, Go watch the movie twister and i know someone's going to ask me so i'll just go ahead and tell you yes Twister's the most underrated soundtrack in the history of of cinematic presentation i could spend another 20 minutes on that anyway great question i always enjoy an excuse to go down that road because as producer jesse told me an hour before the show today do you know if you google college football storm chasing late kick is the first result that is having arrived That is our mountaintop. A lot of you may want a certain number on a paycheck. A lot of you may want a certain number of viewers. I just want to be the auto-populate number one result when you Google storm chasing in college football. If we're hitting that, then everything else will take care of itself. Okay, remember, no show Sunday night. Don't blame me. Blame the NFL. But we'll be back Tuesday and Thursday next week. Do me one big favor. One big favor and one big favor alone. And that is... Subscribe to this channel if you have not already and go follow slash subscribe in the podcast feeds because I know you're already listening. I see the numbers. I know you're already watching. I see the numbers. Thank you so much for that. Just make sure you subscribe because that helps us. That helps us in marketing. It helps us in research. uh, It helps us in pretty much every way imaginable. Until next time, for Producer Jesse, for Director Colin, I'm Josh Bate. Take care. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Tuesday and God bless.